0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Security Token Show, Episode 5. My name is Kyle Sonlin and I'm joined with my co-host, Herwig. Hi, everyone. This is Herwig Konings. Excited to be
1: here. And first off, apologies. Uh, we, we missed a week. And it is our intention to always try to maintain that timeline. I uh, unfortunately got hit with not one but two days of forced delays in traveling that completely made it impossible for Kyle and I to get together. Kyle flew in this morning himself and also suffered a few delays, so he's not, uh, you know, excluded to it either, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, we actually do make up for it. We took the time to make sure that we're now going to be on Spotify, now on hopefully soon Apple Music, and, you know, make this a more consistent quality podcast for you guys.
0: We're, we're really excited. Yeah, it's, it's, we finally have a lot of the infrastructure set up, so it should be much more smooth. We are now always on YouTube as well as Spotify, and we're working through the approval process on Apple Podcasts as well, just like Herwig said. We also are on Podbean, if you prefer listening there. And, uh, and then finally, I think it's, it's private air travel from here on out for us, Herwig.
1: <laughs> I hope so. This industry needs to t- take off, right, so we can fly <laughs> private. But uh, for now, uh, you know, we, we deal with what we can. It's always a pleasure to be able to travel around the world, especially meeting with fresh faces like our listeners here. And, uh, you know, we got another exciting episode as per usual. Today we're going to be talking about the Malta STO Regulatory Framework. They recently came out uh, requesting a similar sort of feedback from the the public in the industry. And, you know, when you look at the, the world today, filled with archaic regulation for various financial services and securities, you know, prevents, especially some criticized here in the U.S., a lot of infrastructure and security token innovation from, from happening. Uh, we do see other jurisdictions like Malta, Seychelles, Estonia, uh, even Switzerland and others that are trying to, to change it up. Uh, and so Malta is one of those, those jurisdictions, and they are now trying to, to go ahead and become one of the, sort of the very first, actually, as far as I, I know, STO-focused uh, financial frameworks for people to issue securities through. And for those of you who aren't familiar with big exchanges like Binance that have made Malta their home, uh, and you know later I'm excited to give everyone a debrief of what they're proposing and you know some of the advantages and disadvantages that, that Kyle and I will talk about. But before we do, as always, I'd like to jump right into the news. How's that for you, Kyle? Go for it, Herwig. Looking forward to it. All righty. Well, you know, actually not too much craziness that we missed over the last two weeks. I'm going to start off with a series of broker-dealer approvals and updates. Uh, The first being Galaxy Digital, most recently announced through a press release that they are now allowed to underwrite registered public offerings. They were already capable of leading private transactions here in the US, but now it seems like they have full steam approval to go ahead and start doing full-on IPOs. So uh, that this is exciting. They comment in their press release that means they finally are able to, to do a full suite of services from, for the entire life cycle of an issuer, uh, all the way from through their private financing to, to eventually going public. Uh, And it makes them one step closer to looking like the the new Goldman Sachs of security tokens. Uh, And I think that's always been their intention. I'm really excited to see, you know, what their first IPO will be. uh, And very exciting move for the industry in general to to see a big name firm like that uh, get approval and get busy about doing real capital markets work. Another broker-dealer recently approved is by a very well-known crowdfunding platform here in the U.S. called StartEngine. StartEngine has been around since since the very beginning of the JOBS Act uh, and has been one of the more successful and active crowdfunding companies. Uh, In fact, their new broker-dealer, they say in their blog post, is gonna make them even more effective, specifically focusing on their Reg A-plus capacity as we all know from the last episode we did, Reggae Plus is starting to gain a little bit more m- momentum, a little bit more attention now. Uh, and it seems like all around there's hope that we're going to start seeing more and more of these offerings accepted. Uh, and start Engine says that now through their broker-dealer, they'll be able to accept investors through all 50 states. Uh, improved credit card transaction investing, uh, and including also bolstering up their broker-dealer network. uh, Now that they have their own broker to most likely syndicate or bring more institutional capital to co-invest alongside the retail crowd. And of course, there's no secret, They, they mentioned this as part of their earlier fundraise, that they are also trying to develop a marketplace Uh, a secondary market they call start engine secondary. I assume, but I do not know, is part of their approval with the broker-dealer, and if not, likely something that they're in the works of now. As we all know, getting an ATS license, an alternative trading system license to trade, has been very difficult for most over the last few years. Uh, And, you know, Kyle reminded me before we started the show that, uh, you know, not everyone is familiar with with the broker-dealer law. So, Although we'll likely spend a whole episode on it, I'm just going to quickly break down what we're talking about here. You know, we we have really two main types of broker-dealers when it comes to security token. The the first is, you know, a lot like Galaxy Digital, getting the ability to be licensed uh, to, to lead and underwrite an actual IPO or even conduct brokering on behalf of private securities. Brokering being an emphasis on taking a fee, a performance fee, a percentage of the raise. It is illegal to do that unless you are licensed with a FINRA-registered broker-dealer, and of course, that requires getting your own licensing if you're the individual. Uh, And Galaxy Digital is full-on ready to go ahead and start offering those services to issuers. Start Engine, it seems like they've also received similar approval, but they're trying to take it even a step further. It's a little bit more difficult for a broker dealer to be getting a license for an alternative trading system, which pretty much gives them the go ahead to start actually um, managing and uh, offering secondary private transactions. Um, and this is a really big deal because many see this as the future of security tokens uh platforms like OFN and T0 are already registered to do this and that's why they're live and trading today many other exchanges in the industry are still waiting for this approval and are still building out the infrastructure and you know also likely in a similar limbo that we had discussed in one of our previous episodes between FINRA and the SEC approving broker dealers so on all in all you know in retrospect i think there's something like 3,600 different brokers out there. Uh, you know, There's not a lot, if you look at it, from that regard, especially even less so that are allowed to trade securities. So I think it's a, a big shout-out to Galaxy Digital and Engine for getting this regulatory approval and, again, helping build out the security
0: token space. What are your thoughts, Kyle? This news might not be the most exciting for listeners or for someone who's not quite as familiar with the security token industry or even just fintech in general – But these are really the the crucial plays and moves that need to be made for a productive system here. Because the reality is that we're talking about upgrading a multi-trillion dollar industry in terms of securities, in terms of of equities and bonds and all of the other assets that, that one day likely will be traded on exchanges like this or at least some majority of those. And you need the proper tracks in place to be able to handle this. We need to do this in a regulated way, just as everyone else has, and just slightly improve upon the current financial system. And so while this isn't quite as flashy as a a large marketing budget or advertising budget, these are really the moves that get me excited because it's people and businesses that are are very smart and doing it the right way, building sustainable businesses that can actually leverage a lot of the current laws and regulations to build a great system. So I'm, I'm excited, happy that that Both of these businesses have been able to be approved because, as we've discussed in the past, sometimes it can be a long regulatory process where you have to go back and forth with the SEC multiple times, where they give you feed or you know, FINRA or the SEC, depending on which, which regulation you're looking for. It, it,
1: it's a great point, Kyle. Uh, you're dealing with FINRA as a broker dealer and, and start engine, you know, they highlight it in their blog post. They spent over 18 months trying to get this regulatory approval, and it, it, that just goes to show you that this is not an easy process, especially considering Start Engine has been around. They have an industry name. They already have a registered funding portal with the SEC and FINRA. So they've been active you know, participants in the space, and even for them, getting the broker-dealer approval was no easy task. Uh, so almost tempted to give them the company of the week, but I, I'm gonna wait to see what they end up doing with this and, and how they put it to work for them, both companies. Uh, but needless to say, we'll definitely be watching. Moving on. We have a great article by our our friend Jesus Rodriguez, an active uh, writer in the space on security token industry topics. And this time around, he's talking about security token networks. This time around, the article is featured in Altcoin Magazine, and I highly recommend that you all check it out if you're interested in sort of seeing where the space might go. Asus has always been very good at predicting and at least having a good assessment of where the space is today and the the players and participants in it. And uh, the sum of the article is basically to say that there is a very large potential that security token networks by design are going to be a trend in the future. And it's not necessarily a good thing depending on the way you look at it. Uh, He references tier one blockchains like Corda, Uh, he mentions financial institutions, one could speculate, like JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, even Galaxy Digitals and the like of the world. And new technology startups, issuance platforms or perhaps one that we haven't even heard of that has a a fantastic new way of doing things that gives them an edge to develop a, a moat, a network, if you will, that is controlled by them, that they control who participates, which assets get listed, and if done successfully, can actually become uh, actually a benefit. It can allow for potentially a more efficient marketplace, a more efficient way of issuing a token and getting it into the hands of investors. But if you look at it from another side, it also means potentially less competition. It means uh, uh, potentially you know being stuck to a centralized system, uh, which means that there is no free control for the market to develop. Uh, he even hints that you know, a company like Libra might be able to develop their own security token network that prevents others from, from participating on it. Uh, so all of this, you know, to, to quote Jesus here, says that the security token industry will start looking closer to an enterprise software market than to the crypto space, where we are used to decentralized models, disrupting uh, convention and marketplaces, and even regulation in some cases. So again, highly recommend you check out that article if you're interested more on infrastructure and the industry itself. Next up, we have some hiring news, PR-worthy, by T-Zero and Vertalo. In fact, one of our good friends, Thomas McInerney, or Mac to Kyle and I, recently left Open Finance Network to join Vertalo as their head of product. Same goes for Tim Rainers, who's a previous COO of Securitize, also joining Vertalo. Uh,
0: some some pretty big news. What do you think of that, Kyle? I'm excited. I think that Vertalo is making some great moves. I spoke with, with some of the people from their team not too long ago, and they've been speaking very highly about the deal flow that they're seeing, and, and they're very excited about a lot of the, the upcoming features for them. So to see that they're scaling in a great way to bring on some, some really high quality talent, Thomas McInerney is a great guy. Um, We, we have a solid relationship with him and and the OFN team. So I'm happy to see that he's moving to Austin and and, and doing a lot of great stuff there. And I'm very excited to see what they do with a lot of their, their upcoming products and and what they can do with issuance. So it's, it's nothing but great moves there and, and hopefully T zero can, can continue to push forward and, you know, get, get some more securities onto their exchange. I think that, that they have, I've heard that they've had solid technology. It seems like they've been dealing with some regulatory issues and potentially some other roadblocks. So I'd be very excited to see that they're bringing on some new talent, getting some fresh faces in there and, and really trying to solve some of their problems.
1: Vertalo is, uh, you know, one of the newer issuance uh, companies on the block, if you will. Uh, it's rather a new space to begin with, but they've been making a big name, especially with big, uh, you know, hires like this one. So that, that's pretty cool.
0: And because of that, I'm actually going to make Vertalo my company of the week. Oh They're wow! Bringing on some some awesome talent. They, they have a lot of great things in the pipeline, and I'm excited to see what their 2019 and 2020 look like. So Well, they're clearly
1: uh, putting themselves on the map, and now with the Kyle bump, you know, they let them soar. That's awesome, yeah. So T-Zero also had some hires, um, specifically Brooke Navarro. He was a previous managing director at Barclays for over a decade. Uh, Very impressive, clearly bringing institutional investment banking expertise and skills to the T-Zero team. And that's going to be very, very helpful for both the company issuers and everyone else to work with her on getting their assets listed on T-Zero. Additionally, Michael Mugias, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, I apologize for anyone's name that I did butcher, um, Who he was a previous investor relations head at IMAX um, and now has taken over the same role at T-Zero. So again, similar level of institutional corporate expertise coming to T-Zero, once again making it uh, a more well oiled machine. Uh, very excited to be working with these two and hopefully the T0 team in the future. Um, next, we do have some real estate news. It looks like the first ever real estate transaction on the blockchain has occurred in Luxembourg. Luxembourg history. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I'm from Belgium, so it's nice to see a a small neighbor over there, even smaller than Belgium, not very many, but um, also doing some very innovative and disruptive things with security tokens. A little bit more information on this. The, The issuance was by a company called Property Token. Uh, and they used uh, issuance platform Tokeny, who we recently mentioned received uh, investment from Euronext. They're one of the leading European issuance platforms. Uh, they delivered the, the custody of the coins, actually, with a company called CoinPlus, through, very interesting, Kyle, a secure cryptographic physical vault, uh, which, uh, at least from what I could tell and read, was a physical card with their token stored
0: on it uh, and delivered to the investors who participated. Uh, cool. It's an interesting solution, a custody solution. And, uh, you know, it, it seems to be something more fit for the crypto world in terms of, of some kind of security that, that can be reissued, doesn't necessarily need. Hard storage, but hey, you know what? If if it's maybe in a in a easier experience for investors to utilize and and, and, uh, and store safe, then then great. Hey, and you know what? It still beats a paper certificate. So <laughs> Amen to that. You own your share Pretty the most cool. Pretty cool. It. And last but not least,
1: I do want also mention that it was advised by another Luxembourg-based company, an advisory firm called Eno INNO. So congrats to everybody who is a, a part of this project, and congrats to making history, the first transaction in Luxembourg for real estate, and I'm sure there will be many more to come. I always like to make my company of the week something that is you know, very momentous, whether it's good or bad for the industry, it has a big impact. And I actually think this is major news. Tokeny e has been a leader in Europe, uh, and they have clearly you know, been, been part of many firsts already now. So I'm actually gonna make them my company of the week, Kyle. Wow. Yeah, tokeny. So there you go. Uh, very, very excited to see what, what comes next for them. We do also have a, a very interesting article on tokenized commercial real estate. For those of you interested in the subject, I highly recommend you go check it out. It's on Cointelegraph. And as always, all our news that we discuss here is curated from STM News. If you have information you wanna contribute, maybe it'll be featured in the podcast, we highly recommend you go submit it there. And of course, anything you're listening here, you can find there as well. Um, Specifically, I I like this article because it likes to go in a little bit more regarding the illiquidity premium that exists and exists for multiple reasons. Uh, The article goes on to not not only talk about the regulatory barrier, which is a a very fair thing to bring up because they talk about three specific rules that Kyle and I are very familiar with that we think will hopefully get updated and be heard by the SEC in our comment letter to them, which is of course the 12G Exchange Act limiting to 2,000 investors or 10 million in assets. Once you trigger that, you are forced to uh, register and and start to file with the SEC more actively your, your information and trading history. Um, then they also talk about uh, another one in the industry, specifically more targeted towards funds. Funds actually have a 100 uh, maximum qualified investor rule, and really it's only 99 because typically there's a GP interest that also holds interest in the fund. Um, so, you know, this is another one of those things that can be seen as well if you can only have 99 investors in a fund, how are you expected to get any kind of liquidity? Uh, and then finally, the other one is is more on the flip side for REITs. For those of you who are not familiar with a REIT, a real estate investment trust, they have specific regulatory benefits requiring them to take something like 90% of their income and distribute it back to investors, and they need a minimum of 100 investors. Um, and uh, they all these three rules simply sort of put up uh, some kind of a barrier for real estate projects to get off the ground. This barrier typically causes illiquidity and therefore you know, the article goes in to derive that if we are able to use security tokens and start creating new ways for um, commercial real estate, specifically uh, outside of the US, if these laws don't get updated, to, to flourish and thrive and at least benefit from the, the famed liquidity premium that, that exists. So, for again, for those of you interested in commercial real estate, I highly recommend you check out their article on Cointelegraph. And uh, unless you've got any other comments there, Kyle, I'll, I'll hand it over to you for the STO news.
0: Yeah, the first thing I, I just wanted to comment on that article, it's, it's certainly something I'd highly recommend for people interested in security tokens in terms of really learning what technical benefits they can provide as a financial instrument in solving a lot of traditional issues in industries or in various industries. And so this is a great example of a high quality article that's that's dense that provides that that great context on where the real limitations are in today's market other than just, oh, liquidity to investors. There's, there's a lot of issues there that, that can be solved with some of these new Technological innovations.
1: Totally right, Kyle. And you know, the same reason why we're doing this podcast too. Education, it's the name of the game. You know, whenever we see articles like this that are accurately talking about the benefits as well as the issues and challenges of security tokens and the problems that it's solving, I think it's always a, a good thing. So.
0: so I'm incredibly excited. We as Herwig mentioned, all of these articles were sourced from STM News. The website there is stomarket.com news. And so we have a full news aggregator there where you can vote on links, you can submit links, provide comments, and have discussions with other people in the industry regarding a lot of these great pieces of content that are submitted by many, many players in the, in the industry and, and thought leaders, and, and it's a great way to stay up to date with, with what's going on in the space. So definitely go check that out and participate if you're interested. You can also shoot us things, I'm pretty active on Twitter, Kyle Somlin is my name, that's my handle. You can, you can send us articles or I'm always responding to security token related posts and, and engaging in discussions. So there's a lot of awesome ways you can stay involved if you're interested in learning more or, or joining the discussion. As many voices as we can have, as many perspectives, is definitely awesome for the industry moving forward. So, moving into the security token offering news, I just wanted to provide a little bit of context on the security token offering that Herwig was mentioning that Tokani was working on, on a property that's based out of Luxembourg. And so the deal is called the Grand Duchy Real Estate Offering. And so this is is newly announced and there aren't a ton of details available right now. We were able to find that the minimum investment is a thousand euros and that there is additional information that will be coming out in the coming weeks. So I will make sure to keep you updated on that as we're able to find out more. Moving forward, I also was able to to discuss with the, the team personally, Fundament Group is issuing a 250 million euro security token debt offering backed by German real estate. And so 250 million is, is no small fee, Herwig. And oh. they, are, they are really going loud with this one, trying to, to create a debt offering that they have formulated as a subordinated token-based bond with an annual variable interest rate. And so Fundament Group has noted that it is an ERC-20 token, which is the standard protocol for um, the Ethereum blockchain, so something that's very familiar with, with anyone in the, the crypto or blockchain space. And investors are expected to receive returns ranging from that 4 to 8% IRR range. And the dividends themselves are based on the performance of the portfolio, which is backed by German real estate and is paid out annually. The investment is going to mature in 2033, where you'll see your investment return. So if you're interested in learning more, seeing more about this offering, definitely check it out. It's by the Fundament Group uh, for German real estate security token offerings. Additionally, we have the Nash Exchange is launching a security token offering. And so Nash Exchange is a crypto decentralized exchange and onboarding platform for fiat to crypto and they are launching a European regulated security token to provide investors with exposure to their exchange transaction fees. They also have some interesting staking involved with the exchange and with this token. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to play out yet. We'll see once it goes live how that's that's effective, but I believe that that if you're able to, to take your security tokens and, and stake them on a specific token, you can then get a higher percentage of, of those fees and things like that. So, it's a, Interesting opportunity. It's it's more of a complicated offering instead of a straightforward equity offering. So if you're interested in supporting another exchange, looking to raise funds and looking to provide access to those transaction fees, definitely check out the NASA exchange security token offering. We also have StartMark the StartMark security token, and and they are raising money as a VC via a debt offering. So they're they're creating a large venture capital firm that they're looking to deploy capital into startup and seed round funds or startup or seed round businesses. And they're doing that via a debt offering. And so this is actually the second German approved security token offering following the BitBond offering that we discussed a few episodes ago. And so this 15-year bond has an estimated 10 to 20% APY and the promotional round is beginning August 1st through September 30th, 2019. Anyone who signs up for their newsletter and invests at least 700 euros can take part in this initial promotional round. If you want access to, to a VC style of opportunity that is in a debt offering, so maybe a little bit more structured than maybe just getting LP interest or something like that, definitely check out Startmark. They are approved by the German Baffin legislation. And finally, we also have RISE.ECO is launching their security token offering. RISE.ECO is somebody I've been in contact with. They're leveraging the security token market platform. And they are building two different trading platforms designed for institutional as well as retail investors. They're looking to raise up to $120 million for their security token offering. So this is no small fee, especially for a tech company they're building a profit sharing token that focuses on artificial intelligence and quant trading and and a lot of these institutional pieces as well. So if you're interested in more of a tech play, something to to build out the the that side of, of investing in the industry, definitely check out rise.eco and their security token.
1: Wow Kyle, that's that's over 400 million US dollars worth of security token offerings you just shared with us just out of Rise and uh, Fundament Group alone. Very, very awesome uh, momentum, I think.
0: We're definitely seeing many security tokens going live. This is this is no joke. And, and companies are acknowledging this is a real opportunity for them to raise capital and do something interesting with it, whether it's, you know, I think that the the model of, of building a VC fund with a debt offering is kind of a very interesting kind of combination of two traditional investment opportunities and, and trying to, to make it work out. And so it's, it's interesting.
1: Now, as we are, we are always very transparent, you and I, Kyle. And, you know, there, there always comes a healthy dose of skepticism when it comes to major offerings. Uh, certainly, it seems like a uh, bond-like issuance by, you know, the Fundament Group uh, will likely be more geared towards institutions uh, than so retail investors, uh, especially trying to fill that, that big chunk of uh, money. Uh, And it's certainly not new to us to see an exchange try and raise around the $100 million mark. Um, So certainly nothing caught off guard there. But of course, you know, always, you know, I'm going to be looking out for more progress and momentum with their raises to really see, you know, how successful they actually are to make sure that we aren't just talking about hype, but but things that are actually happening. So for those of you who are interested, you know, like Kyle said, go check them out and let us know your feedback or if you're participating and what you think.
0: Totally agree. It's it's why at Security Token Market we've really focused on creating more attention and building the fundraising portion of our platform, so that as users want to check out a specific profile, they can see the self-reported information on the fundraising progress and the process for each one of these offerings and how they're performing. And so it's something that we're going to be going live with very very soon in the coming week or weeks, and uh, I think is really going to help add additional legitimacy to a lot of these offerings as you can check in real time how the process is going and how their progress is.
1: That's, that's very cool, Kyle. I know you've been working with a lot of issuers who are now signing up and managing their pages themselves, so to be able to, to see that progress is,
0: is really useful, I think, for myself as well as many other users on the site. Great. And finally, looking at some of the upcoming events before we move into the main topic, unfortunately, just like with... with the conference we discussed in Barcelona, the Slice Through the Hype Around Tokenized Security live webinar will be occurring, and it's something you should definitely go check out. The only unfortunate reality is it likely will have happened after our podcast goes live. <laughs> <laughs> it, it will be Tuesday morning, um, so that will be July 30th. It's a free live webinar where um, a high-powered cast will be discussing security token infrastructure and their vision for digital assets moving forward. The the panel is Max Dillendorf and Rika Kurdeyan, who are the managing partners of Dillendorf Kurdeyan, the law firm, as well as Will McDonough, who's the chairman and CEO of DigiNext Americas, Juan Hernandez, who's the CEO of Open Finance Network, the, the live exchange here in the US, And finally, Josh Stein, who's the CEO of Harbor, which is a very successful issuance platform that raised a lot of money and have been building out an issuance platform for securities. So some high-powered people on that that panel. It's going to be one to check out for sure if you can make it. Um, There may potentially be a video on demand or some kind of, of upload following the live stream. So we'll keep you updated maybe next week if we're able to find that. But definitely reach out to them, or 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 check out this information if you want to learn more. At
1: the very least, we'll definitely be listening ourselves, and we'll we'll try to give you a debrief on next week's
0: episode. Definitely. So moving forward, her guy. I know that this is one that that you're excited about with the Malta Sto framework. Do you want to uh, give us a little rundown about what they were able to publish? Yeah,
1: let's get right into the main topic, Kyle. Uh, you know, similar to our very first episode, uh, just like when the SEC came out requesting public feedback on harmonizing private securities, which, by the way, an update there, hopefully in August, early August, we're going to have our release done to show you how we feel regarding their, I believe, 19 questions uh, from the SEC. And there's a similar amount of questions being requested by the Malta Financial Services Authority, um, which is the SEC equivalent out of Malta. Uh, Specifically, they put out, I think, a 28-page report that I've gone ahead and read through and and, uh, will now go ahead and uh, break it down for you here on the show. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the CEO of the MFSA, which is essentially the, the chairman equivalent Joseph Cusieri again, hoping I didn't mess up that name. He was appointed back in April 2018, uh, so he is very in line with what Malta is trying to do uh, as a nation and improving its financial capital markets, uh, and specifically with a focus on virtual assets as well as now security token offerings. So they they did do a already a release on how to conduct virtual asset. Issuances and how to manage them in Malta. And now they are looking to update and develop a framework specifically designed for security token offerings. Uh, And their main purpose of this, uh, to quote uh, Joseph here. Is there, our intention is to push towards having a wider and more efficient framework for businesses to raise capital, allowing entrepreneurs to expand their businesses. Additionally, a well functioned capital market provides public investors with an opportunity to invest their savings with the objective of obtaining a higher return. Just like any other uh, capital market, that is, uh, of course, the goal. And, uh, you know, again, Malta is taking advantage of being a small island uh, with a more robust framework uh, to be able to, you know, let's say, compete globally for getting issuers to, to trade in Malta. And the specific goal for their update to the framework is to pretty much create legal certainty around STOs. This is a big deal because especially here in the United States, but all around the world, jurisdictions everywhere are wrangling with the definition of of uh, virtual asset versus a security token versus a compliant uh, digital asset issuance following securities law. We had a whole you know, uh, article talking about creating even more confusion last time around on the episode. Uh, and really, this is a really important step for Malta as well as for security tokens in general to create this legal certainty for institutions and investors alike. Uh, The requirements that uh, Joseph here lists out is that the the legal certainty is created by four requirements. The first is transferable securities must be registered in one register. The second is that secondary trading must take place on properly registered exchanges complying with all current regulations on transparency, prevention of market abuse, and reporting. Number three is certainty of ownership is fundamental. As such, all ownership must be recorded on a properly registered central securities depository or a CSD, which must run the settlement systems to ensure the integrity of the entire system. This puts a lot of emphasis on the CSD here. And number four, the role of intermediaries in the distribution of transferable securities to retail investors. Um, So this is a, a big deal um because you know they are now officially going out there and saying we have a framework designed for traditional assets to become STOs and pretty much following all the same rules that existed beforehand, but now with legal certainty behind them. So they broke down their, their you know proposal in six different sections. The the first section was defining STOs. Very interestingly, they, they chopped them up into two different definitions. The first is traditional STOs. So this is really talking about any traditional asset, a bond, equity, a debt instrument, uh, and basically using a token to, to manage that process. Uh, you know, the reason we're probably all here listening to this show and participating in the space is for this very benefit for traditional assets to leverage blockchain technology and efficiencies. Uh, and so they refer to those as traditional STOs. However, when you start to blur the line a little bit where you say, hey, I have a profit interest off of a virtual assets, you know, cryptocurrency proof of stake node system, uh, you know, here in the U.S., that for certain would probably get clarified as a security. uh, And globally, it's, again, causing a lot of confusion. So they define something that seems like a security but is definitely a little bit more questionable as a other STO. And for the purposes of this proposal, they're actually gonna exclude other STOs for now as they explore trying to define that even further so that there is more clarity between what a virtual asset is, what they consider another STO, or a traditional STO. So, for the sake of the rest of this proposal, they, they really are referring to traditional STOs only. Um, section two uh, is actually about issuer approval. So, uh, they actually, you know, just like here in the US, until a regulatory body says otherwise, the issuer is deciding what they are defining their, their token as, whether it's a virtual asset or a traditional STO. However, the MFSA does have the right to request a legal opinion from the issuer in case there is uncertainty. Uh, We've seen similar things happen here in the US, specifically Blockstack with their Reg A Plus offering. There was a lot of back and forth in the SEC specifically for this exact reason. Um, And even now they've settled on pretty much not commenting at all on on what it is. (laughs) So here at least Malta, again, going back to legal certainty If you plan on issuing traditional security and using a token for it, you will have a a defined role within the the regulatory framework here in Malta, and it should be fairly easy to get a legal opinion to enforce that one way or another. Um, The MFSA also proposes to approve STOs in a foreign or local LLC to start. So you're hearing me correctly, they're requiring that, you know, securities that get listed as a traditional STO be structured in a limited liability company. They are, are exploring the use of using foundations, trusts, and other vehicles, but at this time, it's their intention to just simply allow LLCs to start. Um, They also intend to update some of the laws so that cap table registry can also be done via distributed ledger technology, something that is currently not in place in their existing uh, framework. And they will also require uh, three different tests. These are pretty common tests across the globe, a financial soundness test, a corporate governance check, and of course being compliant with transparency requirements. When they're referring to financial soundness, they're actually talking about startups and asset light um, issuers. Uh, you know, specifically, it's very difficult for them to be able to you know, project the, and, and really assess all the risks. So what they're gonna do is have them file a financial due diligence report, which you know, typically for a company or fund you know, is able to provide three years of, of historical financial data, It's a little bit more difficult for these startups, so we'll we'll see how they kind of support uh, those companies getting listed. On the corporate governance side of things, they're proposing that traditional STOs follow the cybersecurity framework and IT requirements set out already by the Virtual Financial Assets Act uh, that I was referencing earlier, as well as requiring a systems auditor to be appointed to run a systems audit report. Uh, This is pretty much uh, a protocol set in place for them to be able to make sure that the DLT technology and the registry, again, remains with integrity and isn't manipulated. Probably something that will be done by the combination of the the CSD as well as the, the distributed ledger technology behind it. And finally, regarding transparency. Um, You know, they are, you know, again, requiring very similar requirements that almost a public company would. Uh, Specifically, we're talking about the uh, uh, reporting of assets and liabilities, profits and losses, financial position, prospects of the issuer or any guarantors. Of course, the rights uh, attached to the security for investors. And of course, the reasons for the issuance and the impact on the issuer, why are they raising the money, the nature of the issuer, the type of securities that they're issuing, and the circumstances that they're currently in. Uh, all you know in an effort to bring investor confidence into what they are buying into as a security that is now represented via a security token. Uh, as far as Section 3, ongoing reporting goes... Pretty much they just said that issuers using their own DLT technology as a registry will need to go through that annual systems audit. So that's why I mentioned that I believe that it will likely become part of many services that some of these different participants and stakeholders provide uh, because an issuer managing their own DLT and then hiring an annual systems auditor and doing all that certainly seems like uh, a heavy uh, lift now. As far as secondary trading goes, section four found this one to be very interesting because they went out and defined the different types of exchanges out there with, of course, the most emphasis on decentralized permissionless exchanges. And the long story short of it, Kyle, is that they pretty much said no to that. (laughs) Uh, And not surprisingly so. They criticized that being able to oversee completely decentralized permissionless exchanges to enforce all the rules that we're discussing here now and the ones that exist today uh, will be very complicated for them to do. So instead they will be first allowing traditional STOs to list on decentralized permissioned exchanges as well as centralized exchanges that are already providing a lot of these services on behalf of investors through a centralized body overseeing the whole process. I think that's a very big move because a lot of people might have been looking at Malta as someone that is going to be able to, to do something a little different than most uh, financial regulatory frameworks, uh, but this is very, very much so in line. The, the, in fact, we're dealing with one of the very first you know, modern frameworks, including STOs, and this is a very natural question to come up. How would you regulate and oversee? such exchanges uh, without a a lot of enforcement tools to begin with, and of course, going back to any regulatory body's goals, which is to give investors confidence and protections. And so if they're unable to see the transactions, if they're unable to create any kind of enforcement on the exchange, how are they able to guarantee such protections? I'm going to wrap it up here in the last two sections talking about market abuse. Market abuse, you know, referring to insider trading, market manipulation, uh, and other forms of fraud typically found in financial markets. So the the result is the proposal will have issuers needing to publicize uh, insider information as soon as they possibly can publicly publicly and to also have their own transaction history on record so that in cases of of fraud, they're actually able to go back and see the timing of these transactions as well as the timing of the disclosures, et cetera. And, And I think this is great because this is exactly where blockchain helps financial markets. This is not a negative, this is a benefit. We'll be able to reduce fraud. We'll be able to track market manipulation better. Uh, thanks to the security token transactions being on the ledger and immutable. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to Kyle now just as I wrap up here. The last thing that they did mention that I think is worth worth absolutely sharing with you all is that there is a heavy emphasis on this uh, registry CSD uh, system because they will be the one that is likely employing the digital ledger technology um, and will have a, a big liability because they're going to be the ones who must ensure that whoever's using their registry has their identity verified and is legit, uh, and will have to work with the issuer to make transactions available, but also work with the institutions and with everybody else uh, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to have to work with the investment banks who are the bridge to the retail investors. So, another reason why permissionless decentralized exchanges won't work is because they will, you know, the, the CSD or SSS will not be able to uh, track this information and be held liable for, for being able to share it with regulators as well as all of its participants. So, uh, a healthy load there, but uh, hopefully it was clear. I'm going to hand it over to Kyle, who maybe has some questions about this or, more interestingly, some comments.
0: First off, great rundown, Herwig. I, I know that this is a 30-plus page report, and I think you did a great job of boiling it down into, into a 10-minute summary. Um, personally, I think it's very interesting. You mentioned that maybe some people were hoping for more of a out-there guide, something that was maybe a little bit more lenient, a little bit more liberal than what we might expect from from one of the larger financial financial institutions. But I actually take the other side, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, is, is that I think that, that what they've done here is, is almost a slightly more official version of the comments that we have provided to the SEC and that will continue to, to provide feedback. And, in, and what they're trying to do here is lead by example by providing something that, that is conservative, that is understandable, that's digestible, and that doesn't take too many risks because they've realized that this is something that will affect the global financial system and it's not prudent to take too many risks too early in a system that, that's still very, very young. Hopefully, this is something that's relatively modular and that this is not like what we've seen in many of the U.S. securities laws where they were passed in 1933 and we don't see an update for 80 years. But this is hope. This gives me hope that they're, they're at least acknowledging a lot of these new technological advancements and they're, they're trying to make and build regulations that will likely be something that they can work with other financial governments and financial systems with along with these these rules here that it's nothing it's not something that's going to cause a different government to say look no we can't work with Malta because they are you know an offshore account right this is nothing like what we've seen before where you get some of these smaller economies that provide all kinds of tax havens and all kinds of shell operations to allow for criminals or money laundering or any of those things to occur. And I really think that what they're trying to do here is really break away from that potential stereotype that they may fit in and say, look, we're going to try to take this and and look at it officially and try to build something that may be what we'd love to see from one of these larger economies and and one of these regulatory bodies.
1: A a really great observation, Kyle. I'm going to take some some pieces apart there Uh, you know you mentioned the word conservative i think that's absolutely the case here you know if the sec had to go about creating an official framework for security tokens you know it'd probably look a a lot like this you know when it comes to worrying about quote-unquote other stos for now it's not their problem they're going to explore it when it comes to worrying about decentralized permissionless exchanges they're not gonna worry about it. It's not gonna impede creating a legitimate uh, framework designed for traditional STOs. Uh, And that is very exciting because, you know, to your point, we have to remember Malta is part of Europe. Uh, They're they're under European Union guidelines to, to make sure that they can easily and not get, as you pointed out, basically ousted from the financial community globally. Uh, and so, therefore, this is right along the, the right balance of innovation, as well as conservative updates to an existing financial framework. Um, and as a result, I, I think we're going to see a lot of very solid uh, momentum come from Malta. Uh, you know, August 30th is not a very long comment uh, period. Uh, and we've seen Malta move very quickly with the the Virtual Asset Act. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see something official uh, as soon as this year uh, regarding an official STO framework. And I'm very excited to see how issuers start to leverage this new exemption or this new um, registration type uh, to be able to issue through Malta under one of these, you know legitimate uh, and with certainty, uh, Exemption, so you know, really, really big news overall. I think that's why they deserve the the full topic today.
0: I also think that that we've discussed before that with security tokens, you're able to remove the security token from an exchange and and take that somewhere else, whether it's custody providers, whether it's exchanges, to be able to to liquidate your holdings. And so I think for. U.S. investors especially who have to subscribe to much harsher regulation requirements than what we've seen almost anywhere else in the world. If Malta can build something that mirrors what we're likely going to see from something like the SEC or potentially from something that we see coming out of the U.K. or or another financial leader here around the world – all of these securities that Malta may lead on in terms of providing liquidity for and, and providing issuance for may be very legitimate to be able to be traded on our exchanges moving forward as well. So if, if as long as they're being smart and conservative and compliant with what they expect or we expect to see from some of these other larger financial regulators, it'll allow a lot of cooperation in terms of of these offerings and the success of many of these issuers, which I think is just great for, for everyone around the world. I also would just like to add that we are not lawyers, and this is not legal advice or financial advice by any means. It is important to do your own research, to contact professionals, lawyers, financial advisors, wealth managers, if you have any questions. But I hope that our insight is valuable for entertainment purposes.
1: Absolutely, and I also want to add one last thing to this, Kyle, which is to, to really bring it full circle in today's episode. You know, uh, specifically with the emphasis on the custody provider and the registry agent, the the CSD. Um, they are responsible for managing the DLT technology. So, going back to Jesus' article about creating security token networks, this is a perfect example. We already saw an exchange out of Switzerland exclusively partner with, with Corda, uh, and there are three uh, blockchain. So, this is yet another example and reinforcement of potentially private markets adopting a private blockchain to be able to leverage to create a security token network. Um, so really really fascinating stuff we're of course as always going to to be keeping an eye on this and keeping you all updated Uh, but for now I think we can wrap it up and and call it a show Kyle what do you think
0: it was a great one this week it was a I think we had a lot of, of really exciting infrastructure improvements and yet another regulatory body looking for feedback so just as we said with the SEC if you have any thoughts regarding securities laws and private security fundraising, definitely submit those comments to Malta, because I think her would get the nail on the head that they're looking to move quickly. They're taking feedback seriously. And and this is just yet another good opportunity to to really help shape our financial system for, for the rest of our lives. Yep.
1: Go check it out on STM News if you want to go see the, the full report in detail and review the questions that they want feedback on. It's it's really just asking uh, about feedback on their proposal of everything I just described to you. And if you want to send them comments, you can email them at capitalmarkets@mfsa.com.mt. at mfsa.com.mt. That's for you today. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Thank you.